Hello there friends, I hope you're having a good day. Just to quickly note that this is the fourth episode of Star Wars Rebels Reviewed, as you may see, and I'm releasing this on the feed of Comics in Motion, as well as on the feed of Genuine Chit Chat, as well as the video version is on YouTube, so you can go to youtube.com slash genuine chit chat, so you get to see the full video version with myself, Maff, and Dave, and we have just recorded the fifth and final episode of Rebels Reviewed, where we go in-depth into the Ahsoka trailer and talk about our predictions, and also Megan joins us, so we get to hear some of her thoughts on Star Wars Rebels as well so just want to confirm that and then starting next week the genuine chit chat schedule will go back to normal and then following that eventually i will be doing the weekly ahsoka shows as well where i have different guests on to talk about ahsoka so that should be on the feed of comics in motion as well as on my youtube channel as well so i just want to add that in here before it all gets started make sure to check out the details in the show notes and also i think i forgot to mention it but if you leave a review for comics in motion or genuine chit chat on any podcast app please screenshot it and send it to me on social media or via email and i will send you you a free episode of Afterthoughts of your choice, which is an episode from my Patreon. It can be the 40-minute long episode of Mine and Megan's Trip to Somerset. It can be some of my Star Wars Legends book reviews. It can be my Thrawn book reviews in canon or in Legends. Or it can really be anything that you fancy, movie reviews, anything like that. But it is completely free. I will send it your way. But that's going to be enough for me, my friends. Obviously, follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. And uh, I hope you enjoy this Season 4 of Rebels Reviewed. So, we are here. It's the finale of Rebels Reviewed, maybe, episodes that we're doing, but it's the finale of the series, and I will say there are going to be some spoilers for the um, Ahsoka trailer that's recently come out, Uh, so just be aware of that, because it's inevitably, towards the end, likely going to link in with a few things, but we are going to try to do a specific episode about almost an episode 5 of Rebels Reviewed, how it's going to connect into that. But before we go into anywhere near the end and what's beyond Rebels, we have to talk about what happened in Season 4, The Mammoth finale and in my opinion some of the best star wars that is out there and with me as always we've got math how are you doing good sir I threw me off. You came to me first. I thought you were going to do Dave. <laughs> I normally do do Dave first. I yeah, realised that as I said it. <laughs> I, I muted and thought, oh, that's fine. This, I've got a moment. Um, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, it's It's been a bit of a trek. And, but, it, I mean, if you're listening to this, you really should have watched all this anyway. But if you haven't, go and watch Rebels. Listen to Mike. preaches the truth. It is absolutely fantastic. I'm so uh, glad. I'm so glad that you feel that way. And we're going to delve a bit more into that. But first, Dave, it's been the end of your second rewatch. So it's uh, how has it been? How's the journey? How was Series 4 in general for you? And how are you doing? <laughs> I'm very good. And it's great to be back talking to you two about uh, Rebels again. So going through the second time made me appreciate Series series. Ugh series they say season in in the u.s so i'll keep it consistent with the u.s so (laughs) season four i'd forgotten just how much of a jump up in quality there was and also at the end of the last episode you were asking me about what i felt about sabine and i thought that's a bizarre question i I don't know i I, you know can't it's a bit let down i guess but watching this made me remember oh that's why you know, because I fit, I felt like I knew Sabine more, but up until th- this season, you know, we hadn't really explored her character at all. And I know when you know you got uh, Bo-Katan and stuff in the Mandalorian, I remember like thinking, "Where's Sabine? Where's Sabine?" You know, when's she coming up? So, um, and and actually, I will just say, Math, you lucky bastard, you lucky lucky bastard, because 
Honestly, you could not, for Ahsoka, have timed this any better at all. And I'd, I'd forgotten even that much, but I'm watching it through. And I'd already seen the um, Ahsoka trailer, so I could see all the bloody nods and everything. Again, we're, we're going to try not to speak about that. But basically, that should be Rebels Season 5 by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, But yeah, I, I think the overriding sense was shit this is so much better i love see seasons one to three but this is different level like mm-hmm. every single episode it knocks it out of the park and it just gets better and better and you know i'm, I'm scrolling down the the episodes because i'm thinking well it, there are certain highlights where you you remember but honestly, that doesn't diminish all the episodes. I think I think they were all great. So yeah, definitely, it, it's hard to suggest for anyone to to even just drop in. You know, if you were trying to give someone a teaser, uh, you know, and try and get them hooked on Rebels, I don't think you could start at four. But it's definitely, I mean, it's right up there, isn't it? With, with Andor and you know all the best Star Wars content for sure. Yeah, I was talking to Megan about this, and um, I said some people on these Facebook events, and maybe some of the listeners, understandably, are going, okay, what essential episodes do I have to watch of Clone Wars and Rebels? And everyone's just going, all of them. Like, you know, it's basically, I would probably argue with Clone Wars not as much, because it's very arc-related. But with Rebels, it's like, although you don't have to see the Ahsoka-centric episodes, all of her plot lines in Rebels are so intertwined with that of Ezra's and the whole ensemble of... Uh, rebels either directly or um indirectly so it's one of those it's it's just rebels series five never thought i'd see the day you know it's just there's so many things i mean, i want to see and ahsoka is going to be its own thing but a lot of people if they're going to be watching it are going to be missing out on some stuff and a lot of people are just going to be watching youtube videos or maybe listening to us talk and trying to get like the snippets the shortcuts of what you can learn about ahsoka before delving into the show um and i also warn people that i sound a bit gravelly and if you're watching the video look a bit uh, gravelly as well because i was at two weddings this weekend uh for both of them and they're a bit far away so i'm absolutely shattered <laughs> people see me yawning at any point as well i want to put that out there that i'm not bored of either of my amazing uh star wars friends but math you have now finished rebels which i have deemed as one of the best pieces of star wars content out there i think the series 2 finale as itself is one of the best things out there and there's one or two episodes in that that's quite cool series 3 is some amazing parts you know the maul and kenobi stuff and a few other highlights but this series as dave uh, amazingly said Almost every episode you could isolate and it could be an amazing uh, topic of discussion. You've got the Mandalorian star, like start of it, the premiere. You've got Bo-Katan. You've got the Rogue One connections with Saw Gerrera again. You've got part of the Rebel Alliance forming. You've got the stuff with Kanan. You know, you've got all this stuff with Ahsoka and Thrawn and even Palpatine shows up and Wedge. You've got so many threads, so many episodes focusing on so many different things. And there's connections to Legends and new stuff in the canon. So... How has the ride been for you, Math, from the start of Rebels where, you know, when you're watching early Rebels, you kind of think, yeah, this is a bit better than I thought it was. This is a bit better than, you know, a certain animation I expected. All the way to the final bit of Rebels. How has your journey been? It, it's amusing because you you mentioned the animation. I think the first few episodes are like, right, it's an animation. I started it with my son, but obviously it's a little bit too grown up for him. Um I think I forgot about the animation. To be fair, I just I was just watching another TV program. Um, it, the first season is good, 
but it kind of melanders through. And I think once you're into season two and onwards, that's where you see that growth with, I mean, the main character, Ezra. Uh, you see the growth of him and the people around him. And then you feel that you're going on the journey with him. You feel that you can kind of see him go. It, it's kind of seeing that bit of Luke that we didn't see kind of before, obviously, Obi-Wan turns up, but it's that there were a big chunk missing from Luke. I feel that Rebels kind of does episodes the uh, three, four, five kind of G four, five, six. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, four, five, six. The even. original trilogy. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I feel it, it kind of does that, and it brings it back a bit for the kids. But I, I actually, I, I really enjoy it. I, I also feel there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of darkness in there, and it, it does kind of. Considering it's, it's in 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 the UK anyway, it's rated a six plus. They do kind of ride that quite, you know, with some of the things that's mentioned, some of the things that happens in there. They do ride that quite, quite. I mean, it could even be a twelve way to be fair at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we have genocides and things like that. But I'm kind of glad that me my youngest didn't watch it with me because he'd have been, "What's that, Daddy?" It's like, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, again, if you listen to this, I'm sure you, you've watched it, but if you haven't, go and watch it. It's, it's some of the best Star Wars out there. There are one or two episodes that are a bit hit and miss, uh, but all in all, the actual entire story. You know, I mean, there's a certain thing I do really want to talk about for this season, um, and that, but I'm, I want to try and hold off. And that because it was a, yeah. I thought there was a big gut punch with season three with with Maul, and I'm like, <gasps> and then what happens in this one? I mean, it, it, I kind of, if people watch Game of Thrones, the the red wedding, I remember watching that with my wife, and then the screen fades back, and we both just sat there for a while. Well, I kind of felt that I did this with one of these episodes of like, mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. You could tell, you could feel with the build up. But they were like, oh, why? <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to start with the Mandalorian premiere, but let's we can jump around. You know, we're at the end. You know, we can do whatever we want is the message of the show. Um, so I'll sideline the Mandalorian-centric stuff at the moment because even though it is the premiere... I wrote quite a few notes about it because I remember there being quite a bit and that's it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, put that to one side. But you're you're speaking about the biggest spoiler of the season. And for me, one of the most painful parts of all of Star Wars, um, the fate of my among my top three all-time favorite characters in all of Star Wars. Uh, and that is Kanan Jarrus. And his character arc in the whole show is almost as powerful as Ezra's, you know, he has such a turn from you know first he's just kind of going along for the not quite going along for the ride but he's connected to Hera and he's got the, there's a family dynamic there but he's kind of they're the scrappy gang they're kind of fighting the empire on their own terms they're kind of living outlaws in a way and he's got this Jedi past he's not coming to terms with and then he meets Ezra he has to come to terms with his Jedi um, sort of past and become a master and every season he becomes stronger and different and you see the change in Ezra but the change in Kanan in series four when you see him get out his lightsaber, and it doesn't happen as much as in other series, but when he does, he is just unbelievable. He's jumping off people, he's deflecting all kinds of crazy things, and when he finally is at peace with his blindness and the gifts that have been given to him, 
And then he has that moment about a third through this. And if you, one of the reasons of the rewatch, I'm very excited to hear what Dave thinks is with this rewatch, you see with Kanan, he knows what's happening so long before. And there's a link as well with um, Hera, and it's revealed at the end here as pregnant and has a kid and things, and we'll talk about that. But there's a, she's, when he first dies, she says he she didn't get to tell him something. And you as an audience member think, oh, that you didn't love him or, you know, a certain thing like that. And then you find out right at the end that I only just caught that it's obviously the kid. So Kanan Jarrus, my favorite Jedi, saves them and just, he changes a lot. So Dave, what did you think of Kanan from the start all the way up to his demise, especially as it's the second time? How was that experience for you? Again, I, I feel like it hit harder the second time, um, but also it was telegraphed, or, or maybe I was just noticing it. It was telegraphed so much. I mean, he he might as well have uh, wrapped up his affairs and you know wrote his will and everything. It, it was just because I knew it was coming. I was like, oh yeah, it's like I, I should have been able to spot this. And the thing is, if we liken it to the the first sacrifice of a Jedi we saw was Obi-Wan in New Hope all those years ago. And we only met him like 20 minutes before or something. I, I don't actually know what it was, but, you know, we, we didn't know him that well. So to, for him to make that sacrifice, it, it didn't really, you, did, you didn't, really buy into the character until you'd watch the film 10 times and then you love the character but you already knew he was going to die whereas here i think kanan is such a three-dimensional character you know he's not a, a a monk who's you know he does everything perfectly you know he wrestles with not wanting to be a not just a Jedi but a mentor to Ezra and you know he's you can see his journey and it's not linear you know it's very very up and down and everything and uh you know you, you get the impression he knows what's coming not just in terms of his battle moves and everything but he sort of knows his demise is coming as well you, you sort of get this sense from this season he is stronger with the force and maybe that comes from just being much more at peace with himself but um yeah it, it really stung i mean i i don't mind saying i shed a tear you know when he when he makes that final move and it is so well done i mean the the build up to it those moments the the cinematography you know the the work on it the the shot with him and hera i thought it was so so well done and i was like christ is this only episode 10 <laughs> you know i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure i've got the emotional strength to make the rest of the season now so yeah, unbelievable. Um, like I say, I can't think whew, in live action. I'm sure there there have been other emotionally charged things like that, but but I can't actually probably think of an equivalent. Han Solo in Force Awakens, I think, is probably the closest. I, mm. I would say, although we saw that coming, I think they're di very different characters. But that is probably in the whole series of star wars that that's the main one that really either i could see it coming it doesn't yeah. hurt but i still get a more emotional reaction from kanan because just more hours more time seeing him as well um, but yeah i mean for me it hit harder maybe because mm. um 
I don't know, maybe maybe because the the solo one, he was surprised by it, so it was a proper yeah. murder. Whereas this was a you know a sacrifice, a you know, he was sacrificing almost. himself for mm. to make sure he pushed every everyone else away. So yeah, but but yeah, probably up there. But yeah, unbelievable episode. And I will say um, before I come to math, my favorite moment um, is when he he's holding it back and he looks mm. he looks straight at Hera and then his blindness goes away for a moment and he has vision again. Oh my God. When he sees Hera and it's his last time seeing her and yeah. he, that's when it's really showing you he's seen, he knows what's happening the whole time. One or yeah. two episodes ago he, he communes with the Lothwolves and then they he's like, he's going, he's charging towards Lothal and then they stop him on a speeder bike and then he immediately goes, I understand. Tell me what I need to mm. do. And from that point, he already knew there was a sense of something coming. But at that point, that's when it, it kind of was confirmed. I think it was an episode or two before. So, Math, you did predict this in the previous episode. Uh, you thought it was kind of coming. So, how did it hit you? Do you see it coming in that episode? Like, how did it feel for you going through it the first time? Um, I, yes, oh, that episode. You could kind of see. The, the the build up the bit when he sat shaved his beard cuts his hair, um, he felt he was going to the way it came across it felt like he was going on a mission, and he knew this was going to be it. He knew there was a chance that he may not come back. There was so much at stake, um, and it it was one of those things. As it started, I'm thinking right, something's going to happen here. You could just tell, and that and. It got to kind of near the point at the end where, obviously, when they go on to the big bomb, it's like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> you don't go there. But it comes to a point when he's holding it back and you're thinking, well, you never know. Maybe he could jump onto the ship. Maybe he could do something about it. And it, it just, it, it's a, like you say, that point when it, it's, he has clear vision. And you're just saying, right, this is our point where we're going to say goodbye to him. We're going to, you know, and I think because, although I haven't binge watched it as much, I've watched in this, you know, in the last you know few months, I felt like I've grown with him, and it, it's a big chunk, it's a big miss, you know, of, of the fact that we've lost him. Um, now I know when I messaged you and said, "Oh, I've just watched this," it's like you did mention. His his voice is in is it the the last Star Wars film that was on? Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. There is a you see there's a line from him there when they're all talking to him. Um, without doing spoilers too much, I really do hope we do get to see him in some form. In a well, we can. It's. I mean, we've already. We know he's gone. But yeah, Ahsoka, there's no confirmation, no rumours, no mention of it. But I, I said to Megan, my dream, and we'll delve more into it when we have the bonus episode, but my dream, my number one want, like I'm I'm fairly certain they're going to have Hayden Christensen come into it, which I'm going to love. You know, he's in the Kenobi show. I suspect he's going to pop up in a lot more places, which I'm I'm so excited for if we get an Ahsoka, uh, Hayden Christensen uh, interaction. But anyway, um, I feel if, if they did a live action Kane and Force Ghost, I'd lose my mind. I, I wouldn't know what to do. He, he's probably going to be my next tattoo, actually, uh, Kane and on my my Star Wars sleeve because he's just a character that really speaks to me but I also want to ask you Math, with Kanan and more into like your feelings of him and also the Doom Wolf as well how do you mm. like Kanan's kind of transition into the Force in a less um, in a way we've not seen before less conventional uh, I mean 
that bit when they kept coming up and they kept saying doom to him all the time. And it's like, obviously, it wasn't until I think the next episode they explained that that was his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I might be reading this completely wrong. So, you know, you're going to probably turn around and say, no, you're an idiot. But it felt like the big white wolf was a version of Canaan, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, whether that's whether that is the case or whether, but it just felt like that that point when they stopped him and he spoke this, I understand it. It was, it felt like a future version of him had come and said, "Look, this is what you're going to have to do." But, you know, and uh, you know that with Star Wars, you know the way that they kind of do it is when the Jedi's pass away, they go back into the Force, and it it was like he accepted that. It was the point when like. I know what I have to do now, and this is the way we, you know, we win the war. You know, this is the way we're going to have to, the, the path that I've been chosen to do. And, and that now, again, throughout the show, it's never confirmed that these wolves are, uh, that it is Canaan, but that's that's what I took from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless there's a comic out there. <laughs> there's there's no, there's very little, ca- there is a Canaan comic, but it's a prequel. Um, but, Dave, what do you think of the Loth Wolves and that sort of uh, the Canaan and June? What do you kind of think of that stuff? I think I know you love some of the uh, stuff with the Force, like that gets a bit out there. Mm-hmm. And but I, I'm not sure I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I I kind of feel like I'm happiest when the Force is almost subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, so okay, if Vader's, you know, using the force to pull a, a bloody spaceship down or, or something <laughs> like in in kenobi then then okay maybe that breaks my theory but if you think about those first couple of movies in particular it was almost like mind over matter it was almost like well is it a thing or did you just believe it so much you know skywalker takes this one in a million shot and he he nails it was that the force or was he just sort of spurred on to do that? Mm. Um, I, you know, and he can hear his, um, you know, five minute master's voice saying, <laughs> you know, press the force, you know, maybe that's just in his head. Maybe that's just a recollection. So I like it to be a little bit closer to reality. More subtle. And I f- more subtle. Subtle and grounded, you know, for these space wizards and aliens and you know but but i guess more sci-fi and uh, you know less kind of mystical and magical mm. i guess i i like things if if i'm watching sci-fi i like to know it's sci-fi mm. if i'm watching fantasy adventure with wizards and warlocks and everything i i i can calibrate my brain to that but some of the stuff in the the animated shows like rebels and clone wars as well where it gets into the the force and these different entities and whatever, which I know you want to talk about, but I, I it loses me a little bit. If I'm honest, it, it's just not, not for me that one. And when you got this massive fuck off wolf, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I, I'd prefer it to be more subtle. Uh, like you say, that that's the right word. It's, it is interesting. I mean, I love all the weirdness and strangeness of, of the forces you rightly put. And this rebels does have quite a bit of it. Um, Clone Wars has a, it doesn't have a lot of it but there's two or three arcs that it goes f- 
full hog with it. And there's some of the episodes where there's some of the most divisive among uh, divisive among fans. Very few fans say they're bad episodes, but m- there's like half the fans go love them, some of the best in Star Wars, and the other half the fans go they're good, but I didn't mm. like it. And it's yeah, just and it's yeah. one of those rare times in Star Wars where people don't generally argue that much about these certain Clone Wars episodes because like that element of the force is so fine but i think that with the wolf the wolves i kind of link it with the pergil and i kind of like the idea that hyperspace isn't something that sentient humans or you know humanoids created and that, that it's something that was already kind of in existence and all they've mm. done with their ships is kind of almost tune them in to being mm. able to do that which obviously links in with the, the pergil um but yeah so the four stuff i i absolutely love and i think that brings us into the world between worlds which is a very odd episode, very unique, and it's one of the the most talked about Star Wars episodes in a lot of the Star Wars fandom. Whenever anything is mentioned about the Force, every live action series, without fail, someone will say, I'll bet the world between worlds will be in this, when Kenobi came out, with the Mandalorian, with Ahsoka now, it's, it's one of those things that people are always a lot of people always talking about a lot of other people like we don't want it again we we just want it to be that one-off thing and not come back and a lot of other people going i want it in everything um dave what did you think speaking of the force and you aren't as interested by the weirdness what about this time travel portly stuff and how ahsoka is saved like what what do you think about that yeah so i like the callback i think initially um but yeah i I stand by what i was saying i i just (laughs) it's not for me i it seems a bit Harry Potter to me. <laughs> it seems like it's mixing the genres, and I and I th- I almost think so. If you watch Event Horizon, right, and they make a, a nice kind of uh, paper. visual with the paper, yeah. So you get your paper, and then you fold space and time. So that that is a thing. So you know, gravity, a massive gravitational force, can you know distort space and time. And so, if I can wrap my head around it as physics, then I, I can go with it with sci-fi. Whereas when you step into this world, it's all symmetrical. It's all like it's. I, I don't know if. Uh, geometry is a profession but let's say an architect you know has has drawn it out it, it looks like um leonardo da vinci has has drawn it out or something and it's the precision of it but I, there's something that jars with me for this uh thing that you would think is is just like a if you had this weirdness with like say black holes or something like that it it will be slightly chaotic and so the symmetry just that my my brain won't accept it to be honest (laughs) but i did like the fact that it called back right to the end of season two because we didn't see what happened to ahsoka and then she just turns up so to have it call back to that moment i thought was great Mm-hmm. What about you, Mav? What do you think about the world between worlds and um, the mysticism of the Force and Ahsoka coming back? A lot to throw at you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to mention one, one name to you, Bobby, and that I did look out for the little green bird. Yep. And that 
does that always turn up when it's Ahsoka? Yeah, Mo- Morai. Yeah, yeah so oh. it gets explained in the Clone Wars. He's Morai right. the Convor. A Convor is a type of owl. It's also known as a Trandoshan bird. And the, the Morai, sorry, the Convor species is shown elsewhere in Star Wars. They're in quite, this in live action in certain places. Um, but yeah, that specific Convor is a mystical one called Morai that connects with a being called the Sister, which you saw on the mural before the world between worlds but i'll delve into that a little bit i won't spoil because it's connected heavily with the clone wars or something i won't spoil that but yeah sorry uh you you spoke up more does they do they always pop up yeah in the mandalorian episode where ahsoka is right at the start more is actually in a tree and flies down and you get it a bit you seem a little bit in uh clone wars at a certain point but sorry please continue yeah yeah um so i kind of uh, i mean in uh when we see when we see ahsoka in mandalorian it was somewhere I didn't notice until you mentioned. I went back and and then looked, but this is kind of you know we do. She talks to him and that. So that that world between worlds, it it feels a little bit Doctor Strange, kind of the mm. you know, or even Spider Man. I was still trying to get my head around it, of trying to understand what it what they was going to use it for. And in a, in a way, it, it shows that the Emperor's trying to get that so that he can then control control everything. Um, I felt that this is the only, you know, if people talk about this highly, I'm going to probably, you know, upset some people, but I feel that they, I feel they kind of set it up and never did anything with it. Right. And that, um, you don't think and, a saving Ahsoka is, is very well, much... Well, yeah. I'm sorry. But you see that that's now pulled her out of time mm-hmm. and placed her into this. So now, it, and I think, is there a bit in Clone Wars where Vader goes back to try and find a circle? Is that something else? Or well, maybe um, it's a comic? I will, I will not say anything. I know what you're thinking of, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. What I uh, will say is Clone Wars is th- every part you see in Clone Wars is all before anything rebels. Right. The entirety, okay. flashbacks and all kinds of other stuff, oh, yeah. time jobs, it's all contained before Rebels. That's all I'll say about that. Right, because I, I felt... I, I, it must have been a comic that I've seen there where I see Vader goes back to a temple to go find a suck and he only finds a, a lightsaber and then comes away. So maybe that's because Ezra's, Ezra's pulled her out and now placed her in a different point in time. Um, which I mean, yes, that is a big point that saved a life. But then they don't seem to do anything. It comes up again later when the Emperor tries to trick Ezra into opening the door uh, with his family, and he's like, "No, not going to do this. It's not real. I accept what's happened. You know, this has made me who I am." Um, but again, I felt the. Should they have done something more with it? Should it have been a bit more of a, you know, like a Spider-Man's multiverse, you know, or Spider-Verse even, or or, or like the Doctor Strange? It, again, you know, with Doctor Strange, they kind of have the multiverse of madness. There's not much of it there, to be honest. There's like seven multiverses. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it felt like it was a missed opportunity that they could have probably done more with it. Maybe they had plans to do more, and then it's just never happened. I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the episode's good because then you have this when Ezra and Ahsoka, uh, 
Ahsoka realizes Ezra's a lot older. Here. He's he's matured so much from, you know, when it's been about two ish years or so, it, yeah, thereabouts. And he Which, was like, he's he's like a teenager. So I think he was like sixteen, seventeen when she yeah. put, when she last saw him, and now he's like nineteen ish. So that is can be quite a big jump for people. Could have yeah, gone it, into a whole Attack of the Clones thing, couldn't it? So I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it just. I like the episode. Um, it gives some options now to do something different. Uh, maybe that might come into play in Ahsoka, um, which if if fans are calling for this, this is the perfect place to do it because Ahsoka has been there. Now, whether she can travel back and forth, whether she needs Ezra to do that. Again, you did say that when season four finishes, all questions will be answered. I did and lie a little bit. Yes, you did. Because did selection... you say that? That was naughty. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I said it more than once. <laughs> I'm thinking. Oh, I mean, it does answer a lot of questions. It, it asked most answer... of the answers. Most of what you were asking specifically, yeah. it did. But I didn't want to be like, oh, there's questions that you won't know the answer to because then you'd start really prying. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't look too hard at certain bits. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you know. it, it it was nice that we now know that we have a circle, you know, because th- there was that thing where, well, the left of Tempo and we don't know what's happened to her. She was facing Vader, so it it didn't look very good for her. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it will be interesting. I, I do, against, you know, I know you want to save it for the circle episode. So we said we'll, we'd dip into it. It's okay. We'll, di- we'll know, dip into uh, it a little bit. It's not a problem. I do feel it's something that if it's it feels like the the Ahsoka series, series it, to me from what I've seen of the, the trailer and then obviously this is great now because we're on the same platform of knowing knowing what we know to a certain degree no, no more of this I know season four I know season well, five you don't know the seven series of Clone Wars yet the whole series of Tales of the Jedi so you are I'll still make it a competition math you, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah, won't the, win the Ahsoka novel <laughs> you know you're getting there you're certainly getting there, Math. I don't appreciate how much you've done, but uh, once you've watched all of Clone Wars and Tales of the Jedi, uh, then you'll be up to Dave. <laughs> yeah, at least I knew something that you didn't last time. So you did. Yeah. You completely floored me with that. I hold my hands up high. You definitely you remember the Geonosian Queen with Darth Vader. But now I've now you brought it up. It's ingrained, and I'll never forget it ever. <laughs> so um, Mike doesn't remember. He was yeah. once bested. <laughs> And never again. <laughs> never. Um, but it's with. I will say with the world between worlds. I love the episode. Um, I love time traveling stuff. One of my favorite films is a film. Not a lot of people like that much, which is the butterfly effect. I adore it. I really like going back in time and all that kind of uh, tomfoolery. But I don't want it in my Star Wars. In Avengers, I was okay with it being an Endgame because it was like it felt like it was trying to be a one-off kind of thing. Um, whether or not it is is very unlikely. But like, I I want. I don't mind it in if in a big fantasy or sci-fi or whatever franchise, if in Star Trek they found a planet and it goes weird, Interstellar doesn't quite have time travel, but it's like time manipulation-y stuff. I don't mind that being used if it seems like this is almost impossible. This only ever happens once in a million years or something, or this crazy thing that happened. Like, I don't mind it as a one-off, as an almost deus ex machina, but any I don't want Ahsoka the series to go into it i don't want anyone i'd be happy if no one ever went to the world between worlds again apart from maybe 
if we got a movie like thousands of years before the Skywalker saga and someone else somehow stumbled into it and they tried to save someone and they became like a dark side follower because of it and they used it for the wrong reason i would quite enjoy that element they go back i think this might be a spoiler but i've not seen the film it might be a spoiler for flash i know in the comics there's quite a bit of stuff where if you go back in time and, and i know that in um some of the dc comics where you know you go back in time save bruce's parents and the mum becomes the joker and all there's all kinds of time manipulation stuff where things go bad and i would quite enjoy seeing something like that completely far removed but again as a one-off maybe i think visions would maybe be a cool place for that but i even though i love the episode i don't i don't want time travel in star wars i i don't time travel is a cheat and although in films and like the mcu and comics no one ever dies in star wars people do actually die mm. but half the time they come back if they're a villain they might come back if they're a good person they won't you know Qui-Gon gets a little jab and he dies and Maul gets cut in half and comes back so <laughs> it's if you're well, good apart from that apart from that and the Emperor <laughs> coming back and this and oh yeah uh, yeah um, so it's, it's interesting actually jumping back to Kanan when with Kanan's death uh, I was thinking about this one when, when we lose Vader when he you know turns on the Emperor to save Luke and that I don't feel that kind of have the same feeling as what he did losing Kanan. I feel that although he, he he's a bad guy and he, he then turns good, I think the Kanan one hits a lot harder because throughout we've seen the build up and we've seen the kind of we've gone along with him. But yeah, I, I feel that hit harder because we we do feel that that love and that growth with him. But I was. You know, when Vader does switch over, he's just been a villain who also goes, do you know what? Got a bit of a conscience here. Mm. It's hard to feel that much sympathy for a space Nazi. I mean, (laughs) you know, he sort of did his his thing, but it wasn't really redemption, was it? Well, I don't know. He saved his son, so we can forgive the you know the mass amount of people that he's the mass it. genocide of yeah. all these different worlds and, and the Jedi as well. <laughs> yeah, the, slaughter the, in the young, the younglings might you know have a thing to say about it. <laughs> it's it, it's definitely the Kanan death. That's it's the pinnacle for me of Star Wars emotional beats. I think the Twilight uh, Twilight of the Apprentice when you get Ahsoka and Vader, and when you watch all the Clone Wars and you go back to that episode because you will because like I, I I think Dave might have done, but I definitely have just gone back and just watched Twilight of the Apprentice, the two parter, even just the second part again, or the Vader Ahsoka confrontation. You can watch it on YouTube. Like once you've seen Clone Wars and you the emotional weight you feel to that, even before that when I first watched it, I was like. You can feel there's so much there. And so, you know, with Ahsoka, we'll slightly move on from that because there's quite a lot of other stuff to get into. So why don't we loop all the way back uh, because we're going to get carried away with some... Oh, go ahead, uh, Dave. Can I just say, before we move off this episode... We'll go to Mando. So after this, you can go straight onto the Mandalorian. Yeah, so I just thought the the, um, Emperor Palpatine, Mm. I I thought Ian McDermott coming back was brilliant. And, you know, the performance that he gives as Emperor Palpatine. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? Am I am I losing it on where this is in the timeline? I'm like, he's already the Emperor. That that was like the whole formation of the Empire. And, you know, this is pre-Rebels. And he, he's being this, you know, old, sweet old granddad sort of thing. And then he turns into the Emperor. And it's just... It's a masterful voice performance, and I, I just thought again that that was my favourite bit of this episode. Not the I, I'm with you. I think 
time travel can be a bit of a cheat. So stuff like Back to the Future, you've got to make this small story and you put the characters and it's ultimately quite a, a small story, isn't it? The fact that you've got time travel there. When you, when you let the genie out of the bottle in the Star Wars universe or the MCU to a, to a degree, could argue, you know, MCU hasn't been the same since Endgame. You kind of leave the door open then. It's like, oh, we'll just time travel it. Mm. You know, it, it's just, I, I feel like it didn't need to be there. Um, again, I, I think you could sort of have things where, you know, again, time's distorted maybe, but not this very clean, oh, I could, I'll just go back to the past and sort this thing out. So, mm-hmm. no, I agree completely. Well, well, Math, I'll ask you, and then we'll talk about the premiere. Just Palpatine and himself. How do you feel about him coming back? And obviously, McDermott's voice work amazing, but obviously, he came back in the World Between Worlds, and then you know, in our finale as well, when he came to, as, as Dave was saying, and he came in the hologram of almost Senator Palpatine. And even Megan said she was watching, and she was like, th- th- "This did." I'm right in the timeline. This is confusing me a bit. This this is happening at the same time as everything else. And I was like, "Oh yeah," I was like, "We've seen this before," so it's it's an, an illusion he's, she's doing. And then when it happened, she's like. Yeah, I remember now. So it's that thing. Did you feel that math? How did you feel about palps coming up? I I love that bit where that you, you see this. You see you see you see Palpatine, but then you see that kind of flickering between him and the Emperor. Mm. Um, it was good to see this because then you realise that he's been a bastard all this time. He, I mean, you know, we see it in other shows as well. But obviously, this is all before we got Andor, but you realise that he's been working behind the scenes for so long. Um, and it was good to realise the fact that, you know, he's been a bastard pretty much from, you know, day dot. Mm. He, he, and the good thing about him, he's one of these which is so good at manipulating people to give them what they want. You know, you see with Anakin and that when he, he, he manipulates Anakin, and tells him lies to get him to do what he wants him to do and turns him into Vader. You know, it, although, it, we only see him for, what, what is it, two episodes we have him in? Yeah, one of them is just the World Between Worlds, he's in it for yeah. seconds, really, Which, like two conversations. The, the only thing I didn't like that is he, he seemed to be able to reach through but not come through. Mm-hmm. And then I felt as well he was using fire to kind of attack him. I think the mystery trick there should have been lightning. It was and, Sith uh, magic, and it relates oh, right. to the Clone Wars. Yay! Uh, buzzword! Only is a couple episodes where the Force, in the eyes of dark side magic, gets explored a little bit, and it shows right. Sidious dabbles in it a little bit. But that's right. bit, that's quite a deep cut, to be fair. <laughs> I, I just I just felt that it should have been lightning coming at him, but yeah. fair enough, it, obviously it makes sense. It, uh, I agree maybe. with you thematically it would have been cooler, but I think the, the only thing I can think of is maybe the lightning, if it, it is weird though, I was thinking, well, the lightning would be able to grab uh, Ezra in the leg, but then I'm thinking, but then fire can't, that weird tentacle thing that came out and grabbed at, yeah. uh, Ezra's leg. So you, you, I, I agree with you. I think it would have worked. I, I, I don't know why they chose fire specifically. I guess it was just trying to be a bit different from lightning, kind of maybe mm. showing he's but doing mysticism blue, stuff. So yeah, I got, know. <laughs> I mean, it's like with lightning, they could have had it like a lightning whip to grab his leg to kind of pull him back in. Yeah. Whereas it, it just, again, it, maybe, maybe, again, I've upset Star Wars fans that if, if people really, really want this, 
maybe seeing it in live action, maybe it might change me. But I, I felt that it, apart from bringing Ahsoka back, because mm-hmm. the thing is, he's pulled Ahsoka out of there, and that and now he's placed a few years further into the future. Um, so that kind of screws everything up. But I Ahsoka wasn't definitely going to die there. Yes, she was facing up against Vader, but that, you know, we, we wouldn't have known what would have happened, really. Um, he's just pulled a lot of time and plonked in somewhere else, and, you know, then they just come and find me that way. I think I think it was trying to indicate she would have died at that point. I think that was what was trying to be indicated. And mm. with some stuff, I think, in shown in the Clone Wars, there's a mysticism around Ahsoka, and that's why Morai follows her around and who Morai actually is. And so I think it's kind of that, almost the MacGuffin, that mm. Ahsoka is this kind of, has a path that there's own, there's all these kind of, <laughs> anyone trying to kill Ahsoka is like, what? all these things that keep coming out are stopping me doing it. There's these bullshit reasons. Um, but I, I do, I see what you're saying, and it is, uh, with the World Between Worlds, on this, this is now my third rewatch of it, I did realise that uh, at, Ezra does have that thought of like, we can save everyone, we can save Kanan. And then it hurt again watching Kanan die from a slightly different angle. And I was like, I only watched this the other day. I don't need to go through it again. But that that moment, I think, is him kind of really learning to let go. And once he does that, that leads on to him in the uh into the finale where he he has that Kanan kind of feel it to him especially in the last episode which obviously on disney plus is like an extra long 45 minute thing mm. and around that time he's got these plans going on he tells that uh, character um mart matin i think his name is about the secret plan you know and the purge will come out and he's got that thing where he tells people i've had a vision i know what's going to happen like and that's very much like Kanan. and i think that as a story device the world between worlds was kind of trying to, you know, the saving Ahsoka thing's cool, but there's, it's almost like we can't figure out how to save how to save Ahsoka in that situation and why she wasn't present. So let's do a time pullout thing. But I think with Ezra, it was kind of showing Palpatine wanted to use it for evil, and then Ezra is showing that Ezra could have kind of done it for his selfish gains, even though it wouldn't have probably worked out that way, and he chose not to. And I think that's kind of his growth, where him letting go, and he's always had an issue with being able to just be one with the force and that's a lesson that Kanan's told him over and over again I think uh, it's that thing with him where he, he's realised that there is a balance yeah. and if he takes it away that balance is going to be off mm-hmm. it, it's that bit where he's matured and it, you know it's. I think does I say Ahsoka says to him you could save him but should you save him I think she, she says basically if you save him then your friends will die so and you're not yeah. meant to you're yeah. not here to do that it was kind of like look more i got you to bring me back that, that's what you're here to do let's let's go yeah kind of thing yeah because uh, th- that is a thing of you know yeah he may have pulled Kanan out but then he would have died mm-hmm. would have, you know everyone else could have died at that point so then he it, it, it messes the timeline up so that's the point when he realizes you can't play around with this kind of thing it, you've just got to let things go fair enough all right i've just pulled you know, so crowd. Oops, it is. It is a bit of a contradiction. Um, but yeah. I want to ask yeah. you. Um, you can Dave, save me, but not everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> Dave. What did you think about Ezra and him in the finale with the Pergil and his plan and that stuff? Like, how have you found Ezra as a character throughout the series? So it's been interesting, hasn't it? Because he he kind of dabbled with the dark side. I mean, uh, other people know it as being a teenager. You know, <laughs> he was. Um, definitely veer in that way and walk in the path of Anakin really and then in 
season four, uh, there was no real sort of mention of that. He he just learned his lessons and that was it. He was on the on the path to the righteous. And I almost feel like it not in a bad way, but it diminishes Luke Skywalker's character. Because mm-hmm. if you think what Luke did, it's not the same. I, I think what Ezra d- has done, you know, in the short time that he's been a Padawan or kind of a Padawan, um, he's done better. Mm-hmm. You know, so so and and he, whereas Luke kind of made the the easy choices, you know, and he'd always make the selfish reasons. You know, he he didn't complete his training with Yoda because he he had half a vision, and then went off on this half-assed run, and then got his arm chopped off, and you know, just he's a bit shit, really, isn't he? <laughs> Megan doesn't like Luke. She calls he him just whiny. ends up falling forward. He is whiny. Even his mates called him wormy. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so <laughs> still wonder why they were his friends. Um, but obviously, I love Luke Skywalker, but I I do think Ezra is kind of a sorry, a cat's attacking my foot. Um, <laughs> so don't you dare talk about Luke about that, that way. <laughs> yeah, the Luke Skywalker fan club. Um, so Ezra just does seem like that upgrade, and again, it's like Luke's walking on the standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, without Ezra making that sacrifice, Luke isn't there to make that shot. You know, all these things, you know, they're sort of connected on the screen, but they're connected in my head canon as well, you know. So I absolutely love Ezra. And again, fuck it, I'm going to spoil it. If you've not watched the trailer for Ahsoka, when he turns up in the trailer, (laughs) it blew my fucking mind. I was like, fucking at last. Because honestly, and I was like, fucking Math has just watched this and he's walking straight into Ahsoka, you bastard. Because well, when I watched it, you know, I was like, shit. What is can, can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if you want to do an Ahsoka thing, I don't know. But I think that trailer, that, that hologram we see of Ezra, I think is formless. From end of season. Well, there's a, there's a few, isn't there? So there's the the kind of uh, wall mural thing and everything. Yeah. There, there are shot for shot things pulled out of the animated well, show. You know, you know the speech that Chopper plays for them all mm-hmm. at the end, where he says, "All right, you, you know, Sabine, you go do what you, you know what I want you to." Do. I think watching live action is that hologram. I, I don't. Th- yeah. I th- yeah. 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 Now whether. The thing is, on IMDb, they do a great thing of they on the show, you know, all the actors, I mean, one episode because we've seen them in the trailer. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, it's for Soka, she's obviously in all age. Now, is this going to be, is this just going to be a kind of a tie-in to kind of then send her Soka? I think her and Sabine are going to do certain things together, but I, I'm not sure if we're going to get Ezra because... If we get if they go rescue Ezra and bring him back, that causes a problem to Star Wars because with when we grew up with with Luke, there was only him as a Jedi. Where all well, this is all Jedi. post <laughs> yeah. the um this is all after the original trilogy, isn't it? So so yeah. they wrap it up quite quickly in the last episode. Well they basically say, Oh, the war's over now and right. you know so so this is after that 
original oh, trilogy. I, I, so, I wish you missed that bit. Then it's but, around the time yeah. of the Mandalorian, the Ahsoka series. But the oh, right. end, the end of uh, yeah, as, as Dave said, the end of Star Wars Rebels series four, episode fifteen, right at that end bit where Sabine's got his, her hair cut and Ahsoka's there. That's meant to be after the Battle of Endor. That's after Re- Return of the Jedi. We don't know how long after. That's the thing. And a, a theory of the Ahsoka show is it's going to start before the end of Rebels. And then the, maybe the two-episode finale, This is the, the two-episode premiere, this is my sort of thoughts, is going to be an episode ahead of just her being badass and doing stuff. And then episode two might be a flashback of showing what where Ahsoka was, how she connected with Sabine, that mural that I saw at Star Wars Celebration, the live-action mural you see. I saw it at Star Wars Celebration. It's so cool. Um but yeah, it, it's one of those with the Ahsoka show is it's it's a jump ahead by quite a lot. We don't know the exact timeline, but it seems right. to be approximately five years after Return of the Jedi. So, and I think you're right with the Ezra. I don't think we're going to see Ezra to right near the end because the question that we've had for many, many years, and you haven't, Math, you've had it for many weeks, is what happened to Ezra and Thrawn? No mm. idea. Like the, the, We still don't know. There's no explanation as of yet. And the thing is, when they find Thrawn, they're going to find Ezra. And there's a few rumors buzzing around, including myself. It's like, is Ezra going to be good? Is uh, is it going to be a bit of a mm. bit of a turn? Um, but Ezra as himself as a character, um, did you say everything you wanted to say about him, Dave, before I move on to math? Because we got sidetracked. Yeah, just, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I would be gutted uh, if he turned. I, I can't see it. I don't think I just you will, think it, but... No, I mean, I... I, I uh, <sighs> I'm not saying never, but let's say it's roughly the same odds I'll give you as uh, having Darth Binkus. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I am, yeah, disappointed we see Thrawn in the trailer. I know, yeah. uh, try not to speak about the trailer, but no, I just think, uh, again, he, he's almost, he feels to me like Luke's spiritual big brother or mm. something like that. You know, he's, he's kind of gone through a similar journey and um you know made that incredibly mature sacrifice um right at the end of the episode there i mean he could have fucking told people about his plan to be fair so he's not perfect <laughs> but um you know then they wouldn't have had the surprise but no i i think ezra's brilliant and again it took me watching season four to remind me just how much i love the character mm-hmm. because one to three you know, he's he's kind of season one. He's like Star Wars Aladdin, basically. Yeah. Season three, he's like a little teenage shit, you know, and dabbling with the dark side of the Force, and and so you know, he, he's kind of there, but he's just part of an ensemble cast. He, he's the point of view character, mm-hmm. but no, I think season four, absolutely love him. Amazing. So, Matt, what do you think about Ezra um, as a character throughout, and then also his his plan with the Purgle? What do you think about all that? I think he's he's tying because we follow Ezra, and we're kind of the the shoe in to come into the Rebel Alliance, and uh, you know, we've, well, with with actually the Ghost Crew, to be fair, and then with the Rebels, it, it, I like I've I enjoyed the journey we've had with him. Uh, I do hope we maybe get a bit more of it. Um, I would love them to, after they finish the circle, to do another Rebels, but do it live action. Mm-hmm. I feel that they could use this circle as a bit of a spoon, because a spoon board to be able to do that. Um, but it depends what they end up doing with the circle, I guess. It, yeah, I mean, you know, having... Uh, we've got three kids... 
a 19 and 18 and a four-year-old and we've been through them teenage years and yes as were many times i could see my kids i think you little bastards (laughs) (laughs) um you know i'm going to tell you not to do this and i know exactly you're going to go off and do it yourself Mm -hmm. but there is that that maturity then when we get to the final bit i think if ezra had told them all his plan that they would have tried to stop him doing certain things and it's it's easier that if he just has it planned out and tells people what to do then it'll work whereas if he starts saying this is what we're going to do all together uh, then people are going to start putting things in and it's going to end up changing the plan to what he you know having the pergo come in and that and take him away you know there was always that risk he was going to still be because he gave himself up he knew and I think he did that to make sure he was with Thorn to make sure that he would take him away from everything because that's the only way really now where we know that the Pergo can travel at light speed but maybe this might again we're going to come back to the world between those can they travel time as well? Is he going to go so far into the future? Is, is that his plan? We know, or we, well, I believe we know from the uh, one of the early episodes when we first see see the perk, when we see the perk, when he touches him, there's that connection with him. So maybe he, maybe that's the point when things start to go, get into place where he thinks, I can use these guys and we can we can win the war. So, yeah, I think this scene as you grow up has just been good. And each each season, you've seen another, you know, another side of him where he, he's grown into this, you know, this fantastic young man and where we go from there with him, hopefully. Hopefully we get a bit more. Mm. Indeed. Can, can, I, can I just chip in as well? So the fact that he feels like a teenager and then he's exposed to all this new world, there is no Aladdin pun there, but uh, <laughs> this new world. And Holy then, world. you know, he goes on a journey and then he's like exposed to both sides of the force and he kind of dabbles. Like we'd all be, there are some tantalizing things about the dark side of the force. I, I think we'd be silly to say, oh no, no, we'd be like the space Pope. Uh, <laughs> we, we'd, we'd be totally great. No, fuck it. I'd be well into that shit. I'd be like, <laughs> you know, playing craps in Vegas, and I'd be like, use the force, you know, to just (laughs) (laughs) turn the dice the way I want them to go. So I I think the fact that he goes through that is a tantamount to the writing. Now, obviously, we've got the writer's strike at the minute and fully, fully behind them. Uh, You know, the the system now is completely unfair. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want to call out that this is all down to the writing. Clearly, the voice acting is great. The animation is great as well. But that arc that Ezra has, for me, most of it is the writing that does the the kind of heavy lifting. And the best parts of Andor as well. I I think Andor Mm. Rebels are two of the best pieces of Star Wars content that exists. And I believe that is because the writing is among the best. And don't get me wrong, I love the prequels, but I think they're probably the worst written of the pieces of Star Wars content in general. Uh, you know, some of the dialogue choices, some of the things that happen, like the lore of the prequels is amazing and some of the action scenes and so, some of the emotional beats, but it's just certain parts feel a bit of a first draft of a script and not enough editing of that. But this feels so mm. specific. It feels very deliberate. And that's one of the reasons I'm quite excited about Filoni's, you know, Ahsoka. He wrote all of it. 
and mm. he wrote all, he he didn't write rebels by himself you know he wrote it with other individuals but it was his kind of he was the showrunner in a way he kind of directed certain bits and wrote it it was his vision in a lot of ways mixed with other individuals input and yeah i agree with you completely there dave it, it's absolutely fantastic so i want to roll right back before we forget about it um and then there'll be a couple other little beats to get to but we, we've covered the majority of the big beats but the start of it and i want to start with math on this bit first is so it's the mandalorian centric premiere and as i said earlier on i actually started writing quite a lot of notes about this because i wrongly remembered bo katan being in this more i wrongly believe the bit where she holds up the dark saber was only a few episodes before the end of uh rebels i thought it was like, like just before jedi knight sort of region before Kanan went I thought it was really late on but it's not it's literally the first thing <laughs> and then it ends and you're like that when I was saying I think when we were talking about um Star Wars in general math and Mandalorian questions come up and things you know and I've been asked about Bo-Katan and a Darksaber those are the two big gaps again so a lot of people you know watch Rebels we saw Bo-Katan with a Darksaber and then we see nothing and then Mandalorian starts and then all the Mandalorians are in hiding. We're like, but what was the last thing we saw? And then in Book of Boba Fett, we get that few flashbacks of the basically Terminator 2 Judgment Day of, of Mandalore with the bombs going off and the security droids like walking down. And then we get a bit more of it in Mando Series 3 with the go back to Mandalore. But all of this comes from Bo-Katan fighting a war and stuff that we didn't know about, we hadn't seen. So what did you think about this Mandalorian stuff and getting a bit more about Sabine as a character in Series 4? I, I think we, we finally... They flushed out Sabine. They yeah. finally started to kind of, I mean, I, when when I started season four and I looked and I thought episode one and two, uh, two parts, episode three and four, uh, two parts, I thought, oh, this is interesting. So it was like, this, right, this is part of the story. We need to tell this. We need to explain it. Um, and they did an awful lot. Um, I mean, we learned about a mum, you know, we learned about Sabine and creating the bomb. Um and then them trying to use it themselves, you know, we saw the devastation of it. Um, How messed up is that as well? This is, a, as you mentioned earlier, this is a six plus on Disney Plus. This is a kids yeah. show, and you're literally watching people get like dusted by their armor getting so hot it burns them alive and screaming, and all that's left is like piles of Mandalorian armor smoking. That that's the scary thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and the scary thing is it's been made that mm-hmm. knowing. Uh, why would she make something like that against some people? It just it didn't, it didn't make sense. But you know, uh, I can't remember how a mum and a brother didn't perish. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember that they they managed to did they get underneath something so it didn't. Hit I them. think they got out of range. There's a right. moment where it says that it's a prototype, so the range of it isn't ideal. Right, and I will say oh, yes. there's one line where Sabine. The reason she made it is because she was arrogant and she wanted to prove she could. You know, and even if you think about Sabine in series one, she was quite arrogant and quite bashful. Mm. And even over the Rebels, she's become a lot more mature as well. And I think she just kind of, you know, made it to prove she could make something like that. The 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 gets have been later on, and they want her to adjust it so that it will go further in. So yeah, I mean, you know, it, the bit there where Sabine's like, "Hang on a minute, we can use this. We can turn this around." And so clever the fact that she did, and then it, it goes from Mandalorian armor to some super polystyrene armor that they've got <laughs> um, cardboard. And that, I mean. <laughs> I do feel sorry for the stormtroopers. They, they do really get a bad rap. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're infinite, just... though, aren't they? That's the great <laughs> thing about them. Yeah, 
you know, I mean, it, 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 it always makes me laugh the fact that the the Empire takes over so much with such shitty aiming, you know, soldiers. They, they can't shoot. You know, I mean, in this, we do see them shoot down planes, you know, with the TIE fighters and things like that. But even then, they're not very good at it. You know, they, they miss more than they hit. They're, they're better at propaganda than they are actually shooting things. <laughs> it, I suppose it is that thing. It's a force. There's so many of them. The fact that they, you know, it's numbers more than actual power, I guess, to a certain degree. Yeah. But also even Rex says, like, there's they try and kind of somewhat explain it in a bit of a hand-wavy way. They say it in certain dialogue things that Rex says, and uh, they get it in comics and books a little bit. Whenever someone puts on a Stormtrooper helmet, after the original trilogy was made and the criticism came out, everyone who puts on a Stormtrooper helmet makes some sort of comment. Like, oh, I can't see very well on this thing. All, like, all the time. And I think that's meant to kind of be the thing, even though it's like, okay, well, you've got, you have got all these swaths of people. Surely someone can shoot someone a fatal wound. It's always just a little clip of the arm shot, isn't it? And they're just shooting around everyone. Obviously, it's the plot armor, uh, but they are infinite. I think even in the finale, like there were so many they got through, and you're like, has anyone even been remotely hit yet? <laughs> so the Ugnot got shot, and that was about it. <laughs> and Gregor, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Mandalorian. Um, I guess that was Heroes of Mandalore two, wasn't it? Mm. The second one, and. The the thing is, I, I think I text you, Mike, that I found out one of my favorite writers, Christopher Yost, uh, wrote several episodes of Rebels, mm-hmm. and this was one of them. And again, he's done some of my favorite runs in comics, uh, including X-Force, which are just brilliant. I recommend everyone. So Kylan Yost, if you, if you look at those, X-Force. Um, the thing is, do you not feel like it was just a bit like one of those tropes where it was like, hold on, I'll reroute the encryption. Right. There we go. We're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I'll just turn this machine against that type of material. Uh, and, and I'll just type in chat GPT. How do I locate and target stormtrooper armor? Oh, there we go. That's the exact molecule compound. <laughs> there we go. Just target that. It was just, that was too convenient. And I was like, oh, the convenience was bad enough. But when I found out it was by one of my favorite writers, it was like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it could have just been like a dial. She just turned it from, you know, Mandalorian armor to Stormtrooper armor. It just, you know. Well, it- yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a dial. Literally, those two settings. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, you know, ultimately, we've spent mentioned it a few times now it is a kid's show but the problem is there's almost opposite ends of the scale in that one episode you're talking about brutally frazzling you know people to death and then this ridiculous plot device just to get out of the situation in quick quick sharp time so it's lumpy in that respect you know where it's very kiddish one minute and then you know, super dark the next. But, I mean, that's it sounds like criticism. I mean, it, that that's a proper, proper nitpick. Uh, it still doesn't take away from the... They were amazing episodes and uh, really enjoyed them. But that was just... Again, it, it just stretched the band of believability just a little bit too much for me. I think that's the only issue I have with 
the Star Wars animation. And I feel it a lot with Star Wars Resistance. That is not a watch along I'm going to be doing at all, to clarify. Clone Wars, yep. Uh, Rebels, definitely. Uh, Tales of the Jedi, yes, but not not Resistance. I was not overly a fan of that. And I think the issue is is that although I love the animation, there's a lot of adult themes, they, they, they are restricted. And they do kind of, there's episodes obviously in Rebels that kind of get close to it. And in Clone Wars, when when Maul is unleashed and some of the Maul storylines, it is brutal. It is some of the most brutal Star Wars you can see. And it's just like, what is this? It's like, six plus, Disney. Bleh. Oh, Jesus. Um, but I think with the live action Star Wars, one of the things that Andor does very well is show maturity. And I'm hoping that the Ahsoka show is kind of being like, okay, everyone who watched Rebels when they were young have grown up now. So let's, you know, let's show them these things. And Rebels does that steadily. And Clone Wars definitely does it. You watch series one of the Clone Wars to series seven, and you're like almost how is this the same show and i think there's a lot of shows that grow you know uh, i think buffy the vampire Slayer to a degree also does it there's a lot of shows that when they're longer running th- people grow with their audience um yeah so I-, I think it works in that way but i do feel there are restrictions and it's kind of like let's go really really dark and it's like ah, oh, we have to we're just kind of wind it back a little bit you know this was showing on disney xd when it was premiering so we do kind of have to ease up on all the genocide and the war and the death and stuff um but yeah, is there anything? So we've we've covered the Mandalorian stuff. Um, Bo Katan. I mean, what, what do you think of her popping up, Math? Did you? I mean, it was only brief. I remember her being in it for ages. But did you expect her to pop up? Uh, yeah. I mean, because the dark saber were there, I thought oh, she's she's going to be somewhere along this. Because you know, it, I do have a question about that. Mm. I think I did ask you, but I can't remember what you said uh, before. Mm. Sabine just gives her. The Darksaber. Now, all all the clans, all the houses are there, and they seem to accept it and understand that she, she's been leading them anyway. This Darksaber just kind of gives her a bit more... Um, status. Status, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. You know, but in Mandalorian, they say that she had to win it. She couldn't... Because when... Uh, is it Dejin? No. Din, Din Jaren. Din, Din, Din Jaren. When he goes to give her it, she's like, no, I can't take it. Mm-hmm. yeah I th- well, the, the reason for that um it, it's not exactly explained it's kind of you have to read almost between the lines with it um but it is a little bit of hand wavy it's essentially because the dark saber was found it was lost for ages because you find out clone wars uh maul had it and then how he got it and you you see that the dark saber should only be one but it was from a foe that's kind of gone it's kind of like finding it somewhere and it's almost like i found it here i'm retrieving it i'm bringing it back to my people who's gonna take it and then bo katan mm. kind of formally kind of took it and was like well, this is mine now and then as in mando series three it's shown that you know she surrendered to moff gideon and then from doing that from you formally getting it and surrendering it you can't just be given it back. You have to really win right. it, especially because you lost it. I think if someone else found it, there might be a bit of wiggle room. But I think it's because she, the last time she touched the Darksaber, she lost it. She doesn't deserve it back unless she proves herself. Um, so I think that's more or less how it is, but it is not explained a lot. And I've seen you know all this stuff quite a bit. Um, but shall we move on? Um, one or two more things uh, before we sort of wrap up. Um, there is Thrawn. So he's the big bad. Um, and it's amazing because we spoke almost more about him in the last series than in this one because there's just so much in this series going on. Um, but Thrawn, he's got his TIE Defender project and he, a little Easter egg thing that anyone on my Patreon will probably know about is um, when the TIE Defender fuel depot gets blown up and when Kanan dies, that's because Thrawn gets called away by Tarkin 
for a certain thing for a little while. And that's explained in the book Thrawn Treason, the third in the Thrawn trilogy of canon novels. It's amazing. It's a really good book. It explains what he went off and doing. It's got heavy links to the Death Star and stuff. It's very, very cool. Uh, and when obviously that happens, shit hit the savan, basically. So what do we think of Thrawn? I'll go to you, Dave, first. Like, re-watching this and now knowing he's coming out in live action. Like, how have you felt about Thrawn as a character? And how has he built from when we saw him in uh, Series 3? I mean, apart from you've basically got the Emperor and Vader, you know, as, as your top two. Probably Vader is the most iconic, isn't he? But you know, he was he was basically the Emperor's lapdog or or his henchman. But I think after that, you, you've got to say it's Thrawn, haven't you? I mean, talking and Thrawn, I'd say. Yeah, but I mean, what what did he? Well, he didn't do much in the movies. I know it's explored in the comics a bit more, mm. and you know he pops up in Clone Wars and stuff, doesn't he? But yeah. sorry, spoilers. Uh, but I, I feel like he was a really good strategist, and you could see how he, he went up through the ranks. But I still feel like if you're in a conversation with Thrawn, he is setting traps for you. Hundred percent. And again, I I just feel like he's Christopher Waltz in in uh, Inglorious Bastards. I just feel he is he's he's outgunned you already verbally, and you are screwed. And and his obsession with art and and using art to understand his foes and stuff as well gives him an interesting kind of slant. And you almost think I don't know if. It was the easy way out for Ezra, but it's certainly a good writing way to kind of give a bit of mysticism as like, yeah, we can't kill this guy off. I mean, he was created by um, Timothy Zahn, I think, wasn't mm-hmm. he? And he was part of Legends and an absolute legendary character, no pun intended. But, you know, you can see why they're thinking, you know what, this this is a great character. Like, just everything about him is is great. So we've got to kind of pull him in and, and you know, explore him as much as possible. So, yeah, I, I think he could be great. I, and, I mean, I, I guess it would be interesting where Disney go because they're not doing very well as a company at mm. the minute. And so, um, you know, there's rumors that, you know, they're scaling back or or stretching out a bit of the content. And, you know, with Star Wars and with Marvel and rumors, they've way overpaid for Fox, you know. So so you might see a little bit of scaling back in the next few years, but you kind of feel like he deserved a movie. That That's where his debut should have been, you know. And, and for me... I have no idea. This is pure speculation, and you you might know better. But obviously, we know quite a lot that's in Mando. And you know, the other thing I'd say is when I watched this season, it hit me that you know what? Without this season of Rebels, you probably don't have the Mandalorian mm-hmm. because they did so much world building and and so much kind of uh, culture creation, if you like it. it it created this world or this little pocket of the Star Wars universe where you're like, oh, I want to know more about that. You know, so so I feel like that was a direct line. Um, but yeah, I just feel like Thrawn, obviously he's going to make his debut. He's going to be a bit of a bastard. Um, but we don't know a lot between Mandalorian and the sequels. You know, so there's 30 years in between, you know, Return of the Jedi and um, 
Force Awakens. And obviously you've got the new order has to be born out of the ashes of the Empire. And I've got to think Thrawn is very central to making that happen. Mm-hmm. But um like do you know? Is he There's, or we've got nothing about Thrawn. Him appearing in the Ahsoka trailer is mm-hmm. The only thing we know about him after Rebels. And regarding the First Order, there's a book series uh, called The Aftermath Trilogy, which I have mm-hmm. uh, here behind me. So amazing, yeah. amazing book series. That's set just after, well, 18 months after Return of the Jedi. And that's where the Empire, a lot of them just disappear into the unknown regions, the Imperial Remnant. And then we get a bit of it in Mando with Moff Gideon. And there's like the Dark Council where he speaks to Pelion um, and uh, Brendel Hux, who is Armitage Hux's dad, who is... Uh, Domino Gleason's gingerhead character in uh in the sequel trilogy. So we get a little bit of that. But mm. aside, aside from aside from that, and then there's like bits and pieces in certain literature where it's got like one or two chapters. Uh in Shadow of the Sith, actually, there um by Adam Christopher. I'm sorry, my chair keeps falling down. It looks like I'm doing a comedy <laughs> act. I'm not intentionally. It's not a joke and it's not a point I'm making. My chair is failing risible. Um but the uh, there's little bits and pieces, but it's like a chapter here and there. They're just kind of quietly doing mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm, I believe what you're saying is correct. I think what we know is Filoni's making a movie, a live action movie, and we think mm-hmm. that all the live action series, um, seemingly like the Deem the Mandoverse, are kind of feeding into that. All the post Return of mm-hmm. the Jedi stuff. And so I imagine, and this is, you know, this is my own uh, estimations and stuff, is it's it's going to be called Air to the Empire. It's going to be. A, a, like a canon retelling of the Air to the Empire trilogy, Thrawn's going to be the big bad in it. Mm-hmm. And then I think probably that's when maybe Ahsoka will die or Ezra or someone like Mage is going to die, maybe taking Thrawn with them. Because unfortunately, we don't we don't know Ahsoka is dead in the sequel trilogy, but her voice is heard at the end of the Rise of, of, Rise of Skywalker. And every other Jedi you hear is dead. So it's kind of hinted, but there are possibilities mm. she could have communed and she's across the galaxy and that sort of stuff. But there is a lot of, what has she been doing at this time? You know, mm. th- there's going to be some weight to it. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. But I think the Ahsoka is going to be like a soft uh, prequel into uh, that yeah. film we're eventually uh, going to get. Mm. Um. So I was going to say with Thrawn then, uh, sorry, Math, opinions and stuff on Thrawn. Is, we'll start to wrap up, um, but what are your opinions on Thrawn in this one? It's great. Um, I think I said last time, um, he's that chess player that's several steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I mean, it's like we're going to price. There's a line in it where um, I think it's after she'd been captured, uh, which is a really good... It, it, I quite enjoyed that episode because is it Ryder betrays him but yeah. then doesn't betray him and so I, I watched it thinking you bastard bloody near it um, but then it, it, it flipped around because it, it was getting where they needed to be uh, but Thorne says later on he says oh she'd be captured well she lasted longer than I thought <laughs> yeah and that so it, it's that point when you realise these are just everyone's just a pawn to you everyone's just uh, put into this place and you know, in the previous season, when the uh, I can't remember the the general who didn't listen to what was being told, and he uh, Constant, Constantine, Con- I think Constantine, yeah. Well, if he just stuck and listened and done what he was told, this we would never have season four. Yeah, whereas they didn't, so then it scuppers Thor's plan. You know, nine times out of t- uh, the Bendu. Obviously, that's not something you expected, so that kind of... But 
everything else is just going to plan. The only, as you say, the only things that beat him are unpredictable force-related yeah. things. If you watch every battle he's had, they're the only times in uh, Rebels he ever seems to lose because you just can't predict that stuff. Say, there's no, it's no way. I mean, you know, there was winning. There's no way he would have thought. Hang on a minute, the Purgles are going to turn up and, <laughs> and take me away. You know, there's no way he would have thought that the Bendu's going to turn up and destroy. I mean. I they think, didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing I would say with the, the Bendu one in the previous one, why why did he go down? If he, if he hadn't gone down to kind of lead the land in party, if he stayed up there, if it all gone tits up, he could have just opened fire on the planet again. Mm. And that and I think that's is his his problem is possibly his ego. Yeah, I agree. Which, which is where maybe that might be something they'll do in the, in future. The the thing that's going to really beat him is mm. is his own ego, is his himself, uh, because and it's the same actor in the, the voice actors. Yeah, Lars Mikkelsen. Yeah, um, basically which, the only person who's doing vo- who did the voice work is also going over to <laughs> to live action. Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame because um, I do I do feel that. I mean, maybe the age-wise, maybe that's what it is because you know the war all fit for, for for the live action. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, at least it's it's going to be Thrawn's voice. Mm-hmm. I suppose you can probably get round Ezra's a little bit because he's going to be a bit older and this that. But Thrawn, you kind of it's about a decade difference. So yeah, yeah. a lot of the characters are are going to age. Um, um, it is, and, but you and, could do. Uh... I mean, Freddie Prince, Prince Jr., mm-hmm. he could turn up as Ken and Jarrus, couldn't he? He, yeah, he would work, yeah. I think. But I think, yeah. obviously, some of the other characters... I mean, I've, I don't know about the voice actors in Star Wars. I think they're all fantastic. But there's certain aesthetic things where they need to, to a degree, look like the character. But then also, no, no shade against voice actors, but not all good voice actors are good on-screen actors. Just like there's a lot of on-screen actors who aren't very good at voice work. They are, they're interlinked skills, but not everyone has both. So I do wonder if that is an element of it mixed with how they look, if they wanted to be involved, their interest in it, what was required of them. Because a lot of Star Wars stuff, almost everyone who does it says you have to train for months. You have to, there's a lot of running scenes, especially if you're like Ahsoka, you have to do so much training physically with blades and things like that. So you get as much as they can. But I, I agree. I mean, I'm very excited to see Lars Mikkelsen uh, reprise the role. And obviously Thrawn is tie defender project like that. It's funny when you see Thrawn, everything about him he predicts everything and he knows what's going to happen you know and it's like the tie defender if they let him continue with the tie defender project instead of the death star the war would have been lost because the tie defender completely blew the death star out of the water but it was palpatine's arrogance and i i just wanted to note that i i realized I didn't fully address the point that when dave you said you know in the tears of vader and uh, or palpatine vader and things i think tarkin had more political power but I think Thrawn, mm. and he's a very, very powerful adversary, you know, 8 out of 10. But I think Thrawn yeah. is a 10 out of 10. He's just, you you cannot beat him in military strategy. And some of the books have got some incredible battles that he, the writing of it and things, and his character is just, he's so above anyone. And it's why he's going to become such an incredible villain. And in Legends, he was very, very similar, more brutal in Legends from as what we've seen. But in canon, I'm absolutely loving it. And, uh, Rook as well, his no gree power played by Warwick Davis. Mm. Um, but is there anything else as we start to wrap up? Is there any final points? There's a few bits and pieces like Mon Mothma shows up. There's a bit of stuff with the Rebellion, some, you know, Bail Organa. There's a few bits and pieces here. But is there anything major we want to tackle before we wrap up if we haven't tackled it yet? 
I, I'll just say you you did mention him right at the top with mm. callbacks to like Rogue One and stuff, but Saul Guerrero yes. showing up and again in one of his incarnations, we see we see him popping up here, there, and everywhere. The fact that it is Forrest Whitaker, unmistakable voice, uh, just unbelievable, and and you see those political ideals, and that's why I say like you know sometimes you got to be like oh just reroute the encryption and turn this on the the uh, stormtroopers it's so polar opposite to some of these real deep political uh things that the show is saying about you know different ideologies and and you know the on the surface level you know, this group and that group want the same thing, but ultimately they're the Judean people's front, uh, you know, and so they completely don't agree. They can fuck off. And so, you know, I, I thought that was really, really great. And and not just because he showed up, but he played a great role as well. And, you know, utterly ruthless. And, you know, Ezra, he always wants to see the best in people, doesn't he? And, and you know, so he wants to see the best in him. But, you know, he sort of learns that, you know, we want the same things, but we don't want to achieve them in the same way. Agreed. And it's it's one of those, I, I, I did forget to mention, I've got a note of it, as you say, it's when Saw Gerrera speaks to Mon Mothma at the Avonfall base, that, Again, the script—it's so good. Like, yeah. the, like that in that dialogue from Saul Guerrero to Mon Mothma matches some of the top tier dialogue in Andor. Yeah. And we're going to get some of that, I hope, because we think the Forest Whitakers are going to reprise his role in Andor. My prediction is one of the arcs is going to be very central to Saul Guerrero because we've got bits and pieces in Rebels showing how, by the point of Rogue One, Mon Mothma and Saw, she doesn't want anything to do with him. He, she's like he's an extremist. Mm. He's too much. He's just like a beyond a last resort. He he's yeah. almost as bad as the Empire. And when you get his readiness just to kill, you know, um, obviously in the previous season it was click clack, and then in this it's I think it's more like how you beat your enemies, how many civilians you're willing to take, you know, collateral damage, the greater good, all these things. And as you say, Dave, this is for kids, and this is talking about the tactics of war and really mm -hmm. the grey of good air quotes and evil. And again, I think this really laid the groundwork for a show like Andor. Obviously, Rogue mm -hmm. One was the main catalyst for that, but where we get this where rogue one came out and then rebels expanded on those characters in series three and four of rebels and they work in tandem with the character we get a little bit more of that content and fallen order did it a bit as well we're getting bits and pieces of saw guerrera and i think it really gives birth to that political climate we see uh, mm. in andor so math anything you want to say about saw guerrera before we wrap up um uh, again i i'll i've enjoyed him I He's not someone that I think you could do a series on, but I think he's mm. someone who you could do definitely several episodes, but yes. or even a, a slight story arc from you know in and on to kind of flush him out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Not that there's much flush left, um, <laughs> but he, he yes, I, I think he's that kind of he's he's kind of that agency that you know when things aren't going well, you need that uh, dirty tactics. He's the kind of person that you call. Mm -hmm. And that, and then you then you, you deny all knowledge. Guerrilla tactics, sort of tacti Yeah, um, I do have another question. Go ahead. And that um, in the final episode, there's um, a bit with I think they're Emperor guards. Uh, there's three of them that come mm -hmm. and take Ezra. They pick him up with these yellow beaming spears. What? I mean, is that anything? Because it seemed to counteract his kind of force powers and just kind of suspend him in the air. Mm. I was thinking, what, what, you know, is that something that 
they've always had because it's the only time I've ever seen them. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea, but I haven't really seen it much either. I think it links in with the Purge Troopers that we see in Jedi Fallen Order a little bit. They are the Emperor's Royal Guard, but I think it's kind of anti-Jedi weapons. And I suspect, this is me predicting, I think that by the time of the Rebels and the war, almost all the Jedi have been purged. There are barely any left, you know. Um, I hear one thing, I know people, we've discussed about it on the show, where you go, oh yeah, all, all the Jedi gone. Oh, and this one shows up, and this one shows up, and this one shows up. It's like... But I saw a meme either today or yesterday, and funnily enough, it said, okay, so 10,000 Jedi Knights, yes. Well, how many are left if you kill 99% of them? There's still actually 100. Mm. And when you think of it like that, you go, ah, oh, that does kind of ruin it a bit. I'm like, I, don't, I want there not to be too many Jedi, but if you do actually kind of think about it, if there are 100 survived, and you read the Vader comics 2017, he kills like five, I think, in that comic run alone if not more the inquisitors kill several uh, in jedi fallen order you kind of see elements of where other ones went and bits and pieces like that so i think that although you, i don't go off a slight tangent but i think with the the jedi stuff uh, i oh. think it's like that but the weapon itself i'm honestly not actually too sure because i personally i don't think i've actually seen it before it's, i mean you're saying about the jedi i mean with calvin the fallen order and mm. the jedi survivor games he He's walked away from that at the, at the start in um, Fallen Order. He's just a worker. He's, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he only ever actually uses some powers because his mates are out to die. Yeah, and that. Um, so there's probably lots of Jedi. I mean, to a certain degree, with Kanan in this, he although he was a, he still used the Force. It was still a struggle for him to do certain things until he started. It became muscle memory, and it came back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Luke in Last a, Jedi, close him off to the force. Yeah, you know, they, so maybe it is a case there's so many of them that have, have gone away. Maybe there is still hundreds of them around, but they're so far away from the force. Mm-hmm. And it's it's then it's handy for them to always just, oh, we've got the Jedi. You know, even Thrawn says it, doesn't he? He says they're all scattered and in hiding and things, mm-hmm. and there's just no one really, even Obi Wan, you know, he's a powerful Jedi, as we saw in Twin Sons, but he's. Got, he's got a very specific plan he's trying to do. And when you see what the other Jedi are up to in other content like Jedi Survivor, most of them are trying to hide and either survive, fall into the dark side, or and or close themselves off and just hide away, or try to subtly rebuild the order in their own way. Um, but we'll wrap up. We'll start to wrap up because it's uh, it's getting a bit late. Um, is there anything else we haven't tackled uh, about this show? We want to say before we plug anything. Before we plug anything, I'll just say for me this show this season ten out of ten. Nice. Uh, I just I, I can't other than the nits that I will pick, but you know you can't drag the score down for that. Just in terms of pure Star Wars greatness, you know everything you want. You want the intrigue. It kind of for me it almost brings the nostalgia of the original trilogy but also the lore of what's gone on with the prequels as well which i don't have as much of an affinity but i can appreciate the story they were trying to tell Mm. um and it brings those two things together and I, i just think out of all of the animated shows i mean this this is absolutely at the pinnacle for me I agree. This Series 4 of Rebels is better than any season of the Clone Wars, I'd say. There are moments in the Clone Wars that I think surpass most moments in Rebels, but they're, it's a lot less of a consistent thing. Series 4 of Rebels is like 
This is the reason I say to people you need to watch Rebels. There's moments like in season two where you go, wow, that's a bit of amazing Star Wars, and you get other bits and pieces. But when you get to season four, it's it's just so good. You could all each like little you know, the episodes with Saw Gerrera or the Mandalorian centric episodes. You could almost just be like, before you watch Mandalorian, just watch these two. I wouldn't want anyone to. It's, I want you to watch it all. But you could almost do that because they're so so well done. So, Math, sort of final thoughts on Rebel Series Four, Rebels as a whole. Obviously, we're planning on doing another episode where we'll link it to Ahsoka and stuff. We'll, so we'll get into the future and predictions in that kind of episode because otherwise we'll be here all night. But what have you thought about this journey? And are you happy that after all my pressuring and on the Andor and me and me and Dave pushed you into it, you know, within the last year, towards the tail end of 2022, we were going on about this animated show. Is it what you expected? And are you happy you saw it? Now, this is the point where I said it's all been an act. And I, <laughs> it was rubbish. Don't, yeah, don't, don't watch it. It's horrible. What don't a waste watch of cartoons. <laughs> and that. Um, no, I mean... If if Mike says you to go and watch it, you really should. Do. I mean, it it's such good storytelling, um, and that I I I do look forward to probably in a couple of years' time when George is a bit older to sitting down and watching it again with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to watching it again. Uh, there's certain episodes. I mean, this you know we're we're having YouTube and it's great because there's little bits where I've watched Ahsoka and Daffy in a fight several times. Um uh, and that it, there was some amazing moments throughout. Wow. And now the fact that I've seen it all the certain bits I can go back to I don't think I'll go back to episode ten of season four. <laughs> I I was so not looking for me and Megan had to really pluck up the strength. We got to it last week and she was like, I don't want to watch it. And I was like, Megan, we have to. We haven't we were going to two weddings this weekend. We she was like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to. It's like I was like, it's one of the best episodes. She's like, but I don't want to cry. And at the end of it, streaming she was. Yeah. Several tears and no shame. Well, it's, actually, it's like your two weddings and the the Jedi funeral. Um, <laughs> very good. And very but, sad. I, I, but that that shows how good it is, the fact that, you know, you're watching something like this and it can really hit and pull the heartstrings. You know, there's been several moments throughout the entire seasons uh, where you you kind of, you've really felt something. You, it's not just, it's not just, I mean, you know, I listened to one of Dan's uh, podcasts from a while ago when he was talking about uh, the X-Men. I love the X-Men, I love watching the cartoons, but you don't get the same feeling as what you do here. And that this it just seems to just pluck at certain points, certain parts of your, you know, pulling at your heartstrings, and it really makes you feel that you know you're with these guys. Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah. And so we'll wrap up. Math, are you excited? Um, obviously, we've got Ahsoka coming out, which, and I think watching Rebels is far more important than watching Clone Wars for Ahsoka. To clarify, Clone Wars is good. But and it's got some very cool Ahsoka moments. But the majority of stuff we're going to see in Ahsoka, which we will talk about, is from Rebels. But has this made you? Well, ask last question. Has this made you excited now to go and watch Clone Wars? And we'll, um, we may start to embark that towards the end of the year, but it'll probably primarily be a project for twenty twenty four of watching that because we've got Ahsoka coming out, and then there's a lot of other shows like Loki and Echo um, and other, and I think there's other something else Star Warsy coming out soon as well but the, and, and the Marvel show as well lots of stuff coming out so we'll probably try and start towards the end but are you excited for Clone Wars then after watching Rebels now I can't wait to go watch the Ewoks film to be fair um, <laughs> yeah no I am I, courage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I, I am because 
I, I, seeing Ahsoka, I mean, I, I reckon that once we've finished watching Ahsoka, in, it'll be end of October. Um, that's maybe when I probably go into. I may try to watch little bits of. Um, you got, you got to start with the movie first. Yeah. <laughs> to warn. <laughs> the quality of Rebels, it started at like a seven, six or a seven, and it's got up one notch at a time for the series, up to series you know four, which is like 10 out of 10. When you go out to Clone Wars, it's like a. It's like, okay, the movie, three out of 10, maybe. Then series one has got a few episodes. So unfortunately, you start at a lower point when you start yeah. Clone Wars to yeah, climb yeah, back yeah. up. Really selling this for me, yeah. There are some incredible episodes <laughs> in series one. So, yeah, but. I think I think wanting to see where these characters have come from, um, and that I, I again, I mean, you know, hopefully I'll enjoy the Obi Wan and Anakin as well. Kind of seeing that. Because um, I will say, Clone Wars is amazing. To clarify, even though I'm jokingly, you know, crapping on it a bit, it is genuinely amazing. There's just a lot. Yeah. I would say, I think that's the thing that's a bit worrying is that there's is there seven seasons and they're all about 22 episodes long. The Yeah, series two, three, four, five are all 24 episodes and right. the other ones are between 12 and 16. So. Right. So it's a bit of a slog, but, you know, the thing is they're only about 20 on. 25 minutes long each yeah. other. So. No, exactly. So, there's, there's a total of 133 episodes right. of, of Clone Wars. I, I reckon if we were to cover them, we might even want to think about splitting up a season mm. into two, like yeah. 24 episodes. That's quite an undertaking, isn't it? So, yeah. but yeah. Um, I, th- I think the, the, the movie warrants its own episode. That will be, maybe we do that before the end of the year. <laughs> like we'll try and get that. I'll try and force Megan to watch it so she can just slate it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think either hut. I remember it. The, yeah. the, the issue is, if you're going to try to split up each season into like two episodes, it, is there a certain point where you can, this is where we need to come up, you know? Yeah. Clone Wars is structured in a very different way. Right, it's not. It's not even all in chronological order. There's some episodes oh. in series which are before the whole series. There's lots of jumping around, and most of it is in arcs. So it's it's like most of the time you get a one-off episode here and there, but generally it's three or four episodes make up one battle on one planet. That's it's right. literally Clone Wars. Most of it is battles. There's a few arcs, but generally it's like you could almost do an episode in every four episodes, in a right. sense. Um, but last thing, Dave. Find anything to say about Clone Wars and then plug away, good sir. No, you've got me thinking about Clone Wars. I, I, the more I think about it, the we, we'll discuss this off air, but maybe it requires a bit of deeper thinking mm. rather than just one season, one episode. Yeah, I just feel like some of the episodes in particular, so you and I have spoken a few times, you you really like the last three seasons but mm. for me in season four there are some really deep thinking mm-hmm. episodes in there i agree about like power structures and human behavior and all that kind of thing so you know i think it'd be great to go back and and watch that and just chew the fat with you guys on it but um no it's it's been great again rebels it, it's an easier sell isn't it you know it's four seasons I, you know despite you know, there's quite a lot of episodes in a season. Obviously, this last one, we've just got the 15. But, you know, when, when I was going through it, I'm like, Christ, there's so much that happens. Yeah. And, and honestly, in the last season, Matt, you, you posted in our group and you were like, 
in season three this this was and and you're like oh no i've just sent sent something really bad and in my head i'm like oh he's just seen kane and jarris die but obviously it wasn't that and so i kept my mouth shut and i'm glad i did but um just in my memory it all kind of blended into this one thing and so it's been interesting to go back and do it season by season rather than just binge whenever you get a, a chance and i will just say so the, the previous couple of seasons, I have been disorganized and just had to binge them. Whereas this season, I binged them because I just couldn't fucking stop watching them. <laughs> I watched it in two sittings and I was just like, I just can't stop watching this. Just so, so good. And so, yeah, probably um, I, I would say... What I want to say is I'll watch them again before long, but so much damn content, isn't there? There's so oh, much yeah. new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Lots of, lots of reality show for you to watch as well. I, oh, God, tell me about it. But um, I, I'll probably cherry pick a little bit, like you've said, Mike, with uh, the end of season two and like uh, just to punish myself, watch Jedi Knight again. And, you know, it, it's so good. If you've got this far and you haven't watched Rebels, what are you doing with your life? Go and watch it. 100%. So, Dave, what have you got going on? I'll put the usual stuff in the description, but tell people where they can find you. Well, uh, the most regular place, well, apart from Chris and Dave's reality TV cast, so tonight is actually the final of Love Island, uh, which I am missing to record here, so that is not any great shakes. Uh, <laughs> I'll watch it tomorrow. Um but yeah, so we're going to finish and then uh, I don't know what we're doing after that, but I'm just looking forward to some time off from that one. Um, VHS Strikes Back, so our weekly podcast, and we'll cover all things from the, the video era. So kind of mostly 80s and 90s, but we'll stretch a bit to the 70s and then a little bit to the early 2000s as well. So when does this episode come out? Um, it will be in it's not going to be this weekend it'll be the next one so it'll be uh, early august ish second week in august i think then in that case i'm sure we'll have something great coming out (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) but the calendar doesn't quite stretch at that moment but if you go to the back catalog Mm. uh, and you were listening to this moment then we're about to release species from 1996 with natasha henstridge uh, which is very good um and um (laughs) there are a couple of things that spring to mind there um and then next week we've got office space by the legendary mike judge very very excited by all that math where can people find you uh i'm on twitter it's MathUK 78 uh i created a thread but i just didn't really get it so i've not really gone back to that Um, (laughs) and then I, i am actually popping up on uh, a couple of things I've got a I'm going to be on with uh, Jack on the back to the film I've been doing a film called one of 13. my favorite podcasts I love it it's it's it, when we're talking there was I, I'm down to do uh, Hummingbird or Redemption depends which you want to call it uh, but there was one of the films that hadn't been picked called 13 uh, and he told me he says it's probably one of the worst reviews of the the, the uh, what Jason Statham's done, wow. um, so I've watched that. 
So um, Glutton for punishment. Now I dispute that because I'm pretty sure I saw one of the worst he's ever done. <laughs> did, did you do what was it? Set it off or something or turn it up? I, I can't remember. Oh, the it's dance some... one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't a dance one. It was a weird kind of. It was a oh, gangster. No, the gangster um, ones. Yeah. But there's also this. The did you? Who did the Return of the King? Uh, in the, the name of the oh, king, name of the king. Was, was uh Spider Dan and Angry yeah. Andy. And I, I'd watched half of that because I'd been eyeing it up to make Chris watch it because Burt Reynolds is in it. Well, Chris and I got halfway it. through it and I couldn't fucking finish it. And I hardly ever never finish a movie. If I'm like, I've started it, so I'll finish. And it was fucking horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should go watch 13. Right, <laughs> um, but I, I could be I could be playing on that. It could have turned out to be a really good film. You just have to wait and see. Um, I'm also I'm going to be on with um, Spider Dan in. I think it's probably going to be September. Uh, we're doing our uh, we're picking the worst five medical professions. Nice. So, um, like uh, I haven't picked him. Hopefully, Dan hasn't picked him. I don't think he has. But like Hannibal Lecter kind of things. Um, so I've got a few from a few different other medias. Um, I've tried to go on a bit obscure as well because I know Dan will. Um, and that, so, <laughs> he definitely will. Yeah. And that, I mean, he'll he'll come out with something like you know Nurse Pepper Potts or something like that. You know, from a certain you know Marvel comic that no one ever knew of. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> Pam Greer uh, character from the seventies yeah. exploitation. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit worried, but you know, I'm very, very it, excited about that. It, it, it's funny because I've tried to go a little bit obscure, and there's one that he bought out. I know, but don't, I, there's, don't spoil I'm, it. I'm not, I'm not saying anybody, but there's one that he bought out. But I, I kind of thought I would need to go a little bit obscure, but I guarantee it'd be nothing compared to what it comes out with. I'm very excited about that. I'll put details in the description and I'll say, uh, Dave, your episode was on Turn It Up and it was the third episode of uh, Back to the Filmography. That was it, Turn It Up. Turn uh, It Up, Set It Off, you know, (laughs) Step It Up. It it was something like that I could remember, but it was a a highly unmemorable movie. So much so you couldn't even remember the the title of it. Um, But friends, you can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and on TikTok now as well. Um, And you basically you can watch watch you can be on my youtube channel and you can see all my episodes of genuine chit chat uh star wars authors i've interviewed on there and are currently talking to another one so uh keep your eyes out for that got some really cool episodes coming up some stars related some not uh just subscribe to the youtube channel if you can trying to push my subscribers up again i'm one of the very few channels where most channels you see their subscribers and most of their videos get less than that but most of my videos are getting more views than my subscribers and i'm like come on guys come subscribe join me join me for the star wars and the non-star wars content well you know what you need to do you need to do the uh the the bro thing you know like so i'm going to talk to you about this but before you do that smash that subscribe <laughs> button hit us a like and you know maybe there's a bit of promotion stuff going on oh, there. i do i do need to get on liminal that. messages it's, it's either that or you need to wear something very low cut and get in a paddling pool or something like that so people i think people pay me not to do that let alone trying to get them to subscribe to see that kind of there's thing. a whole subscribe. patreon tier for that <laughs> yeah genuine chit chat after dark <laughs> um but yeah you can subs- you can subscribe to my 
Patreon as well. Uh, you can donate to my coffee, um, and either of those things will get you um, some bonus content, including some Star Wars Legends book reviews, my Thrawn book reviews that link into Ahsoka. Lots of great content out there. Uh, and also, if anyone wants to uh, review Comics in Motion or um, Genuine Chit Chat on any of the podcast apps, even if you just rate it on Spotify, send us a screenshot of it, and I'll send you a free episode of Afterthoughts of your choice. If you're listening to this, it'll probably be a Star Wars one if you fancy it, so you can do that as well. Um, but we will be back to talk about Rebels as a whole. We're aiming to take some listener questions, depending on how many listeners <laughs> give us some. Um, but we'll please send it into social media. You can either contact myself uh, on social media or you can contact at Comics in Motion P um, or you can comment on this YouTube video if you're watching there. And then we'll include it in the next conversation and we'll talk about Rebels, how it links in with Ahsoka. And I'll give you a little bit more information on some of the Ahsoka content, including like the novel and some other stuff without being spoilery, but just if anyone wants to try and catch some last minute content. But that episode is probably going to be recorded and released like very soon before Ahsoka and then we'll be doing the weekly discussion shows wherever you're listening to this or watching this it's going to be on that feed you're going to be able to hear I'm going to have Math on and Dave on at least once and a wide variety of other guests I've got a few people already lined up to talk about the Ahsoka series also known as Rebels Series 5. But thank you, Dave, for helping me convince Math to watch all of Rebels in our Andor discussion. And thank you for trusting me in watching Rebels those years ago when we first met. Uh, and Math, thank you for taking the plunge, uh, not only into being on like our co-host, a familiar, regular uh, on our Star Wars podcast and being our little guinea pig. I've been like, we were like, we already seen it quick. Push Math through the deaths of these characters you like. Go through Jedi Knight for us. And we'll watch from afar, cackling, waiting for you to get there. Uh, and then we get to to do it all again with the Clone Wars but we will not be doing that till after the Ahsoka stuff so you're going to get some lots of Star Wars content from us for at least the next year and a half I think you've got and then Andor Series 2 will probably come out so you've probably got about two years of Star Wars content from, from us but if that's not enough check out Star Wars Comics in Canon you never have to read a Star Wars comic to enjoy but friends thank you so much for listening Dave and Math thank you once again for joining me on this adventure and as always to both of you and to all our listeners may the force be with you and with you.